This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. In William Branham's effort to know the author real well but not know the book, as he claimed throughout his ministry, many books in the Bible were omitted from his sermons from 1947 to 1965 most of which depict the fallen state of Israel, their need for a Savior to redeem them from the curse of the law, and passages that point to Christ who would one day come to save them. Zephaniah is yet another book that was avoided by William Branham. Interestingly, it also further explained Malachi 4. The prophecy of Malachi was written to Israel. The name Malachi means, My Messenger. And his message was written in a scroll that had no chapters, verses, or line numbers. The title line of the scroll that is found in the first verse reads, The Oracle of the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. This prophecy was telling Israel to be patient. Though they were in a fallen state, living under the curse of the law for having failed to live righteously through works righteous faith, God was faithful. They had suffered captivity in the hands of mighty Babylon, severe famines and pestilence, loss of wealth, possessions, and even life under the curse of the law. To all nations, Israel looked like the scorn of God's eye, and the nations continually plundered anything that God's children accumulated. It seemed as though God was supporting her enemies. And he was. That was all part of the curse. But Malachi prophesied that this curse would one day be lifted. And all the nations who rose against Israel would receive their just reward. God was going to come to Israel with healing and fight Israel's battles against the foes. The, the very first few verses in Malachi chapter 4 describe God's promise to redeem Israel from the curse. Malachi says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. 
But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. It's Malachi chapter 4. After describing how Israel would go leaping like calves from confined to stalls to trample over these wicked nations, God reminds them the reason that this curse was in place. Verse 4 of Malachi chapter 4 says, Remember the law of my servant Moses and the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Because of the words, burning like an oven, many men have risen to establish followings that perceive this verse to be telling us hell is coming. The verse in Malachi 4 is, that is foretelling Elijah's return is pointed to themselves, and they proclaim themselves to be the Redeemer for this day and age. These men claim to be restorers and produce some new idea of what exactly they are restoring. John Alexander Dowie promoted himself as the Elijah of Malachi 4, and he came with a return ministry of healing. Taking part of the chapter that had healing in its wings and teaching that he was the great healer that was to come. In 1889, Dowie published his first series entitled, entitled Leaves of Healing, and he quickly rose to be a world-renowned faith healer. But Israel was under the curse of the law, and the penalty for failure to uphold the law was death. Under their agreement with God, the two-part covenant made between the children of Israel and God through Moses as the mediator they were to receive over 300 blessings for keeping the law and 300 curses for failure to uphold the law. Over 21 different violations of the Mosaic law required death, most of which were counted against Israel time and again. But those violations were against individuals, not Israel as a whole. There was one part of the covenant that affected the entire nation of Israel the part which was violated time and again, and that was to serve the gods of Baal. Moses describes the penalty for this at the end of Deuteronomy 29 when the covenant was re renewed in Moab. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 29, verses 22 through 26, it says, And the next generation, your children, who will rise up after you, and the foreigner who comes from a far land will say, when they see the afflictions of of that land and the sickness which the Lord has made it sick, which the Lord has made it sick, the whole land burned out with brimstone and salt, nothing sown and nothing growing, where no plant can sprout, an overthrow like that of Sodom and Gomorrah, Admon and Zebulun, when the Lord overthrew in his anger and wrath. All the nations will say, Why has the Lord done this to the land? What caused the heat of this great anger? Then the people will say, It is because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt, and went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they had not known and whom he had not allotted to them. That's Deuteronomy 29, verses 23 through 26. Notice the end of Malachi, speaking of the restoration of Israel. 
This de decree of utter destruction was failure to keep the old covenant. At the end of Malachi 4, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. But there are a few very important things to observe in this passage. Yes, Malachi is prophesying, prophesying the word of the Lord regarding the return of Elijah. But his return is to bring restoration before God brings the penalty. And the restoration of the children of Israel to their former state is what stops the destruction. Hence the words, lest I come and strike the world. <clears throat> this is not a restoration for the end of the world. It is a restoration of Israel into grace after breaking the old covenant of law. That is the reason that these return ministry cult leaders promote themselves as Elijah. All promote laws and works righteous faith. That verse, remember the law of my servant Moses and the statutes and rules that I commanded. They must be pointed to their own ministry as a new commandment and not a historical record. But the most important thing to note is the word, He. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. The meaning of this sentence is drastically changed, taking the Old English version of this sentence and making it sound like Elijah is the one to come and restore. And it's not translated incorrectly. He will come to restore, but that he is Jesus, not a man. Restoration required a kinsman redeemer, not a prophet. The lamb must come and take our place, paying our penalty for us, something that a prophet could not do. <clears throat> it's interesting because I'm sure that the translators never dreamed that the glory would be taken away from the Lamb and pointed towards a man. Otherwise, they would have never translated it in this way. The word he was not in the original translation. Literally translated, Malachi 4.6 reads like this. And I'm going to pause between each word translated. A curse, the land, and smite, come, so their fathers unto of the children and the hearts children unto of the fathers the hearts will restore it should be no shock that the book of zephaniah the book that william branham seems to have avoided in his ministry confirms the prophecy of malachi it goes into great detail regarding the common destruction, cursing Israel to be obliterated from the face of the earth. But just as the cry comes forth describing destruction with no way out, a cry for redemption follows. There is only one single instance of William Branham mentioning the book of Zephaniah, and it was only by mistake. He turned to the wrong chapter, and then he blamed it on his Bible. 
1960, the Patmos vision, he says, here, let's get a scripture here. Let's get Zechariah 4.1. We can maybe get from Zechariah here what we want. Zechariah 4.1. And I believe that maybe we'll be able to pull together what we're wanting. I can't find Zechariah in Zephaniah, can I? All right. My old Bible's about worn out. <coughs> Zephaniah starts by describing the coming judgment on Judah. And Zephaniah reads like this. It says, I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heaven and the fish of the sea, and then the rubble with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal and the name of the idolatrous priests, along with the priests, those who bow down on the roofs to the host of the heavens, those who bow down and swear to the Lord, and yet swear by Milcom, those who have turned back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord or inquire of Him. That's Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 2 through 6. Imagine taking this passage in the way that William Branham taught us to read our Bibles. Let's take this verse as a context for our message. If we only read this single portion of Zephaniah's prophecy... It sounds like impending doom, sudden death. This must be the end of days. But the Bible was not written in single verses that were intended to be the basis for an entire sermon. It was not even written in single chapters from which to gleam doctrines. The Bible and the books of the Bible were written in scrolls. One single canvas of text intended to be read completely. If you continue the first chapter of Zephaniah, you'll find reference to Christ. Zephaniah 1.7 says, Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated His guests. That's Zephaniah 1.7. But even that verse alone is not enough to change how this chapter sounds. If you only read the first few verses, it sounds like the end of days. If you only read the first chapter, it sounds like Armageddon. The first chapter ends like this. I will bring distress on mankind, so that they shall walk like the blind. Because they have sinned against the Lord, their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth will be consumed. For a full and sudden end will he make of all the inhabitants of the earth. That's Zephaniah 1, 17-18. And this makes you want to tremble in fear. That was the intention. God was condemning the children of Israel because 
they had abandoned the old covenant and they were condemned to death. God was jealous and they deserved, they deserved a sudden and a painful death. <clears throat> Even continuing into the second chapter, you won't find reason to rejoice. God, speaking through Zephaniah, gives prophecy of destruction for Israel and the nations that brought her into idolatry. Israel deserved to pay the price, but God felt that the surrounding nation should also pay the penalty. That thought continues on into chapter 3. <clears throat> Listen to verse 8. Therefore wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise to seize the prey. For my decision is to gather all nations and assemble kingdoms to pour out upon them my indignation, all of my burning anger. For in the fire of my jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. Again, if we preach from the book of Zephaniah in the way that these cult pastors preach today, this is a dreadful book of prophecy. Any single verse that we pull from the scroll sounds like an awful fate. But any sermon that's given over a verse that is taken out of context makes you miss the good stuff. This entire scroll is describing God, how angry he is with Israel for abandoning their agreement and breaking the old covenant. God is telling them that according to that binding contract, they deserved to die. It might as well be Armageddon. God was going to wipe them off the face of the earth along with the idolatrous nations. But don't forget the kinsman redeemer. The good stuff is coming. God has chosen a bride. And that bride had guests at the wedding supper. Israel was chosen to bring forth the Christ child, and God was going to restore her to her former state. But not just Israel. God was going to grant salvation to the idolatrous Gentiles. And Israel had no idea this was coming. All they knew was Old Covenant law. They had long forgotten the covenants made with Noah and Abraham. They were suffering punishment for their idolatry. Listen to how the prophecy of, of Zephaniah ends, and you'll see why it is such a disaster for these pastors to teach our children by snipping out a verse or even a single chapter from a book of the Bible. While any verse they choose in this book would proclaim doomsday destruction, God reminds us at the end that he did make a covenant with Noah. And that covenant said that he would never again wipe mankind from the face of the earth. Zephaniah confirms Malachi 4 and tells us who is going to restore. Not Elijah, but the Lord is coming into their midst. And the Lord will restore. It ends like this. <clears throat> Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared all your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, 
is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord, your God, is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival, so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At the time I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes. That's Zephaniah 3, verses 14 through 20.